Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 179 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, today's guest is somebody a lot of you know. He's been on this show before a couple of times. Plus, he does an awful lot for leaders over at unseminary.com. It's my friend Rich Birch. He's back, and he's got um, some new principles that he's isolated after interviewing over 200 leaders of America and Canada's fastest growing churches. And Rich has isolated the principles. He's got a new book. We kind of pick his brain on it. I I think you're going to love it. So, uh, and it was one of those fun episodes where we could actually do it in person in here in the studio, which is also known as my basement. So anyway, uh, that was an awful lot of fun to have Rich on the show. I think you're going to love the episode. And uh, a couple things I want to tell you about. First of all, I love online courses, as you know. I've got a couple myself, and Scott Magdalene is really pioneering online training for churches. And so you might actually have some questions like, how does this actually work and does anybody use it? What are, what are some pro tips? So I asked Scott, I said, give me your tips. What, what is working well when it comes to training your volunteers online? Here's Scott Magdalene. He's the founder of TrainedUp.Church. Well, a, a couple of uh, really quick tips, and this is some of the stuff I've gleaned from my time in online learning. So Trained Up isn't my own, my first online training gig. Uh, I spent a couple of years at Treehouse, which is an online learning company that's helped hundreds of thousands of le- students learn things like you know web- website coding and online design. And so I took what I learned there and I incorporated it into like the core concepts into Trained Up. And here are the tips. Number one, keep your videos short. If you're going to be making videos, keep them under five minutes. People don't want to be watching a 10, 15, 20-minute heads-up video of you in your office talking through your Bible. I mean, they'll watch it sometimes, but most people are going to tune out after the first three or four minutes. So keep them short. Um, Use the questions. Use the opportunity right after each short video to ask questions that do a couple of things. They drive home the the important information in the video, in that particular video, and then they also verify the important information. So, you know, is it a, a policy for taking kids to the bathroom? That's a really important thing. So ask a question about how they're supposed to do it so that you can verify that they got it and also it drives home for them. And number three, make sure that your, your online courses have some rhythm to them, have some pacing to them. So just one video that's three or four minutes long and you just kind of rush through everything because you wanted to keep it short, there's no need for that. You can, you can have a multi-video course that um, engages them throughout the whole thing without having to rush and you know, um, pour and stuff a whole bunch of information into a, one single short video. Well, do you want to check out online training for your church. If you haven't done it, man, it is such a great way. I mean, we just onboarded like literally in January, dozens of new volunteers, hundreds of people into groups. How do you, how do you assimilate all that? That's really hard to do if you're doing it analog, like old school, but digitally it gets a lot easier. So if you want to try it out and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to see if this works. Why not check out Trained Up this month, because they're giving you 50% off the first month of service. So as a listener of this podcast, use the code FIRST50, F-I-R-S-T-50-5-0, FIRST50, to take advantage of this offer. So go to trainedup.church, and you can get in for half the price this month only. I uh, would love to see you do that and uh, experiment a little bit, right? The future belongs to the innovative. It really does. And hey, we are getting really, really close uh, a week away now from something I'm really excited about. I'm doing a live training, a webinar that's going to help you 
crush your to-do list, pursue your God-given vision, and uh, not actually sacrifice your church, your family, or your body. One of the things that I think so many leaders struggle with is our ambitions seem to exceed, even godly ambitions, the time available, and we're getting bombarded by like just messaging everywhere we turn. And you probably, if you feel a little overwhelmed, you're not going to want to miss this. Uh, During this free training, I'm going to walk you through the three secrets high-capacity leaders use to take back their calendars, crush their to-do lists, and spend more time with their families. There are actually patterns that that will work regardless of your context. I'm really passionate about this because I didn't do that well in my 30s, and it led me directly to burnout. And having been through burnout, I would never wish that on anybody. And I don't want to see you burn out, but, but even if you don't burn out, you know, you just kind of, you, you never really reach the potential of your leadership. And as a result, neither does your family, neither does your church. And so let's change that. So the webinar is in a week. It's February 20th. I'd love it if you join me live. Go to thehighimpactleader.com. Seating is actually limited. We do have a cap of a thousand people. And at the end of the webinar, I'm giving away 30 minutes of my time one-on-one. Yep, believe it or not. So head on over to thehighimpactleader.com. Sign up today before it's too late excited for that. Well, um, here is a pretty life-giving, you're going to want to take notes, and of course, we got everything in the show notes, life-giving conversation with my friend, Unseminary's Rich Birch. Well, it's so good to actually have an in-person interview. Rich, we're hanging out at World Headquarters for Carrie this Newhoff podcast. Newhoff International. We are also known as my basement. Yeah, exactly. It's great to be here, Carrie. Hey, it's great to have you. And you are back in Canada now after, yeah. how many years were you in the U.S.? Seven? Uh, seven, yeah. Seven going on eight. Yeah, seven and a half. Yeah. Like and uh, you got your first book out. Was mm-hmm. that two years ago? Yeah, it'll be two years this fall, so a year and a half ago. And you got a brand new one coming out. Yeah, it actually launches today. Super excited about that. Yeah, it's launch day. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me on the show. It's called uh, Church Growth Flywheel. It's really trying to look at some practical stuff that I think all churches should be doing to reach more people in their community. Yeah. So is that sort of the same thing that Jim Collins was talking? No, that was Hedgehog, right? But he t- didn't he talk he about He did talk flywheel? about the flywheel. Okay, exactly. The flywheel. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. It's the exact same concept. This idea that, I, well, first of all, I think what this book isn't is it's not like miracle grow for church growth. It's right. not like just like some fertilizer and, you know, your church will be bigger next month. I actually thought about calling the book 1000 Days to a Bigger Church, but uh-huh. I thought no one will buy that book. You know, well, <laughs> your listeners would because they're like really intelligent and all that. They realize yeah. it doesn't just happen overnight. Uh, but really what Flybill is talking about is this idea that we really want to be investing, you know, week in, week out, month in, month out, quarter in, quarter out. Uh, in five core disciplines that I think ultimately will help us reach more people in our community. So the idea of a flywheel is we're kind of constantly putting energy on it. And over time, although the first time round, it takes a lot of energy over time, it adds more momentum to it over time. Yeah, so let's talk about your background a little bit yeah. because uh, you're now as a volunteer part of Connexus. Yeah. You also helped us launch it. Yeah. You were at Liquid Church, one of the fastest growing mm-hmm. churches on the Eastern Seaboard. Yep. You were also at the Meeting House for a number of mm-hmm. years. Uh, a church that grew explosively in the 2000s yeah. here in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, just hire rich, your church will grow. <laughs> I, I think Isn't that what the book's about? Well, I don't know. Not about that. <laughs> you know, it was, though. It was interesting because I, I, one of the things I realized is, and I was actually my son a couple years ago, he, he was saying, hey, Rich, like you're the guy that helps churches grow, which I was like, oh, I never really thought that. But I guess that That's has really been. Yeah, he said yeah. that when he was about 13. 
He said that to me, which I was like, whoa, that's kind of interesting. I'd never really, it was amazing how clarity sometimes well, gets And now left. you're in a camp. Right? Yeah, you're exactly. Total camp. change. And what yeah, happened at the camp, Rich? Yeah, well, it it's grew. growing. It's growing. It grew so, like crazy. You, know, <laughs> you had the best year in the camp's history last yeah, year. Yeah, but we did. Last summer, we had the most kids we'd had in 71 years, and we're heading towards that again this summer. So, But you know, the reason why I'm excited about growing is not because I want your church just to be bigger, but because I do want churches to have more impact. You know, yeah. there's this study done. Lifeway did the study a few years ago that I, literally I, I think about this stat every week. It's And that's not hyperbole. You know, it's not like just podcaster talking. 94% of all churches in our country, in North America, in the States and in Canada, 94% of all churches are losing ground against the growth of their community they're in. So sometimes you've heard that stat. Actually, the more optimistic way to say that stat is 80% of churches are plateaued or in decline, right. but it's actually worse than that. So the majority of churches that are growing aren't growing faster than the communities they're in. So right. you know what we're trying to do with this book is, is pull apart what you know, those churches that are growing and making a difference in their community, what can we learn from them? How can we apply those to our church? And one of the things I realize, I, you know, over almost 20 years, I've had a privilege of working at three incredible churches that have been a part of that 6%, that have been churches that are growing faster than their community. And so this is kind of a combination of lessons I've learned through that. And we, we did over 200 different intervie interviews with leaders in these fast-growing churches. And what I'm trying to do is just make it really simple, put the cookies on the bottom shelf, as a friend of mine says, uh, to make it so, you know, listeners who are listening today could apply those lessons to their church. Yeah. So you've done, when you when you say you've done 200 interviews, you mean on the Unseminary mm -hmm. podcast, because what you profile on your podcast tends to be growing churches and you tend, sometimes you have lead pastors, but what right. I respect about what you do at Unseminary <laughs> is you actually um, interview people who know things. <laughs> well, the joke as a, I, as a lead guy. Yeah. yeah. So the joke I make there, it's, so it's true. I'm, there's a little bit uh -huh. coming out in this project that over the last number of years, we've really restricted our guest list to just uh, leaders who are within the fastest growing churches in the country. And so yeah. what I'm trying to do is get inside the heads of those people. And, you know, the joke, as you've picked up on there, is I typically talk to executive pastors or people on the leadership team. The joke I make with them is I'd rather talk to you than, you know, lead pastors. Lead pastors live in the realm of ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of times the leaders that we're talking about, you know, in our podcast really live in the uh, in the realm of execution. What do we actually do? How are we actually making this thing make a difference? Yeah. So out of those 200 interviews, yes. almost like a Tim Ferriss moment where... Yeah. You pull the best practices, the best principles, the common trends. So this is not just your experience at right. three churches, right. or you also do some consulting, right? Yeah. You do an awful lot of that with churches. Yeah, I'm talking to churches all the time, but that's absolutely what I've tried to do here. Because again, my heartbeat is to come back to the average church leader who's listening in today, who I know they want to reach their community. The only reason why people get into this thing is because you want to make a difference, right? Yeah. You, want to, you want to see people, you want to see the message of Jesus impact people in your community. And so what we're trying to do is strip away some of the kind of airy-fairy stuff and get down to just hear some real practical steps that everybody can take. Yeah. The thing that frightens me about that LifeWay stat that 94% of all churches are losing ground mm -hmm. is what it really means. Let's just say the population of your city, county, town, wherever you happen to be, is growing by 3%. Yep. That if your church grows by 3%, you're actually just breaking You're even. just treading water. You're treading water, right. which is a pretty sobering statistic yeah, and, when you and think about it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, again, I, I, I lead with that, not because I'm trying to scare people or because I want you to feel bad, but, but I do want us to think very soberly and very clearly about the fact that we shouldn't, sometimes I think we get excited about growth in our church, but really that should only be in comparison to what's happening in the community around us. You know, we, we, yeah. there are a lot of churches that are in communities that are growing quickly. And so therefore your church should be growing quickly. Of course, you should be at least matching, if not, you know, increasing that. And so 
yeah, it is it is a sober statistic. I think it's the kind of thing we have to think clearly about. And and again, not to be depressed or like, you know, morose about it, but just say, hey, hopefully have that motivate us to try to take some action to do something different to make a difference. Yeah. Now, one of the situations, you know, that that we hear about on a regular basis and Rich, this is sort of off script, but. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I get this critique on my blog and mm -hmm. you get this, I'm yes. sure, yes. from your readers. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> uh, you, you do, right? And I think you're one of the first leaders I heard years and years ago say healthy things grow. Mm -hmm. um, but there's always pushback against that. Now, I know you, I've known you long enough and mm -hmm. I think people have known me, at least mm -hmm. regular listeners mm -hmm. know me long enough to know. I really believe, you really believe the church is the hope of the world. Yep. We do have a mission to reach the world with the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you want that to expand? But like every week I hear from leaders who are like, the best church I was ever at was a small church. And like, why are you always and no, not all healthy things grow? How, how do you respond to that? That's a good question. You know, first of all, what I'll say to leaders is, listen, I, I'm not trying to make your you feel bad about your church. I think sometimes people say that actually out of an emotional place where they're right. like, oh, things aren't going well at my church. What I don't want you to do is to somehow over-spiritualize a small church. It is true there can be fast-growing churches that are unhealthy. That is true. Mm -hmm. You know, that just because you're growing doesn't mean you're healthy. Um, but the, the converse isn't, uh, isn't a false statement either. Just because something's growing doesn't mean you should be criticizing it as a small church. You know, it, I'm, I'm fine if your church is, is reaching the community that it's in, but I do think our, um, there's, a, there's an efficiency of time that I think we've all been given. Uh, we have a limited amount of time on this planet. Um, you and I have been given, I don't know, maybe another 20, 30 years at this to do mm -hmm. what, what God's called us to do. And from my perspective, I want to put the, my foot in the ground and say, and my stake in the ground to say, I want to reach more people with the message of Jesus. I think there's a, there's a New Testament imperative towards that. I think when you read the New Testament, you see a group of leaders who seem to be willing to do anything. <laughs> Uh, to impact their community. And so I, I want to echo that. I want to uh, be a part of that. I want that to be, um, you know, the kind of people I want to surround myself with. Now, all that being said, um, I know that at the end of the day, that that what makes a healthy church isn't just that it's growing. That's not the only yeah. health of, you know, it's only, not the only sign of a healthy church. Uh, there's many other things. But uh, but what I, my challenge, particularly for this book, and it's funny, even as we've ramped up to launch day, those criticisms have come. And a part of me says, okay, that's good. That's positive. Obviously, the message is getting out there. Hopefully, we're pushing buttons. And what I want you to think in today, church leader, as you're listening in, uh, is to not write off the fact that maybe there's just some practical things you could do um, that are holding back the, the gospel in your church. Like, wouldn't it be ridiculous if there's just something simple you could do and then you that, that would allow you to talk to more people about Jesus? And so don't be scared of this stuff. Just say, hey, maybe there's something, you know, practical we could do uh, that ultimately can make a difference in our community. Yeah, I remember when you were at the meeting house, wasn't the slogan for one of the campaigns you ran is we want the whole city to know? Yeah, it's simple. We want the entire city to hear. Was the, oh, that, that's you know, it. Yes. That was even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want the entire city to hear. Yeah. But I think, you know, for any leader who has ever felt that or mm -hmm. believes it, or and I think most church leaders want to reach more people. Yeah. That's my fundamental conviction yep. is, you know, hey, you can, you can end up with some story in your past or present where you're like, I don't want to reach any more people. Mm -hmm. Those are not the people listening to this podcast. You know, it's interesting, Carrie, because there's a segment of my community at Unseminary and the people that I tend to run with. I, I literally just did a coaching thing last week with a church, a full day thing. And this um, this church would, um, they would get allergic if you ever called them, if, if you ever referred to them as like attractional. Um, right. they, they would, you know, it's one of those churches that would be a little bit nervous about like, oh, I don't know that we want to be associated with that. And and they 
they actually hired me for a full day, which I found a little bit surprising. Because you're like Mr. Attractional Church. Well, yeah, it's like that's where I've spent my time. That's where I've spent my days, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, I, and it was interesting because in that conversation, um, one of the things, and I've had a number of those churches over the years that that have said, hey, we want to spend some time with you. And I think one of the things people realize after they get to know me is like, listen, yes, I do want to reach more people. But at the end of the day, I know that the church is a, is a, is a well-rounded uh, thing. It's not just about saying, can we get bigger attendance next week? I'm not just saying, let's, let's, you know, have bigger crowds than we had last week. But what I am saying is I do think you need to be thinking about that. And and at the end of the day, I think churches that are passionate about the gospel or passionate about seeing people come to know Christ, the outworking of that is that should spread. And that should, we had an amazing story. Let's just tell more people about it. So 200 plus interviews, lots and lots of consultation, your experience in three growing churches. Mm -hmm. As you've studied the churches, what are the patterns you're seeing? Well, that's really what the book's all about. There's five mm-hmm. things I'm seeing, and and some of them are probably things that you would you would expect. You know, compelling communication. You know, the the thing across kind of theological convictions and across you know various kind of tribes or various approaches is you know the, the churches are very good at communicating. They've you know they've they've done a good job actually at communicating um, the word of God. Actually, one of the things that we see time and time again is churches that are growing. Um, they the the teaching portion that happens on Sundays is is central to what they do. Part of what I like about what you do, Carrie, and the way you kind of you know talk about even that in your in your blog about trying to help people get better at that. You know, you see people leveraging big days. That's pretty common. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know we we've got one coming up here in Easter, and and churches that are growing, they don't just roll over those days. They're they're thinking how they don't necessarily need to have like the you know, the mechanical Jesus that goes up into the sky, you know, or some <laughs> crazy thing or like a big Easter pageant or something like that. But they don't let those days just roll over. They've, they, that is a strategically important day for them. And they spend time, effort, and energy resources uh, to make that happen. But, you know, there's also a number of things I saw that actually I find more subtle and more surprising, things that maybe don't bubble to the surface that you wouldn't think about all the time. Okay, can, can, I, can I back up yes, just a little up. bit? Because I don't want to uh, skip over that because yep. we, we will have time to get into the other ones. But yep. I think that often gets overlooked because that's something you talked about a lot when you were on staff with us. And I've heard you talk about over the Mm. years that, you know, it is important to amplify the message. Like there, there is something. And often I find in church circles that the message is almost a, it's either too big or too little. One of the two, right? right? (laughs) Like like you're either paying not enough attention to that. Mm -hmm. Do you want to just drill down on that? Because I think that's a, are we going to get into that a little bit later? No, this is great. This is perfect. So the, the uh, Tim Lucas, who is, um, you know, had the privilege of serving under at Liquid Church, um, you know, for years when I first started working there, he would say to me like, Hey, what, you know, he would, he's, he's a very consultative leader. He's always looking for input and is always trying to find which is great as to serve under someone like that. And he would often say to me like, Hey, what do you think I should be doing? Like, are there other areas that I should be focusing on? And I would say to him, listen, Tim, if you spend extra time this week working on your message and nailing it out of the park, everything else will go better. Um, like it just, and there was a study that came out by Pew last year that two thirds of all people say that the message is actually core to the reason why they attend the church they attend to. So, you know, church leaders, particularly senior leaders, I know there's a lot of senior leaders listening in, Literally, the most important thing you could do this week is to focus your time, effort, and energy on that um, to ensure that that does two things. One, it obviously it reveals truth. It, it it takes time to reveal what God has to say to this generation, and then second, that it would connect with where people are at today. That you know, it, you you do the distance of translating. You do the distance of being the mirror that people look through, uh, so that people can see Jesus, you know, more clearly. And when we did a lot at, at Liquid around 
building systems around that to try to improve that to, you know, to give Tim all the feedback he can give to ensure that we're giving, you know, doing all the graphic support we need to do and video support we need to do and, and even weekly coaching and all of that to ensure that that 40 minutes, um, you know, was the best that we could put on because it is fundamental to, you know, to churches that make a difference. And you see that time and time again, you know, and, and I think sometimes pastors can feel, particularly if they're gifted communicators, it's almost like they feel guilty investing in that portion well, of what they do. Well, you feel selfish. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. You feel like, wasn't well, there like a hospital I should go to? Or isn't there like right. some like leadership meeting I should be in? Or isn't there? And, and the answer actually is no, like you should spend time. Um, and, and you've seen this, you've been inside, inside the circles of churches that are making, you know, a big impact. And a lot of times the core communicators in those um, churches, if you look at where they spend their time, a significant portion of it is on message prep. You're it talking is days not a week. uncommon to see 50% of their time. Absolutely. And even at massive churches, yes. like tens of thousands of people, 50% of their time is spent in message prep. Right. And you think, well, they, how do they do that? They delegate the rest. And right. what, what I've found, I talk about this a lot mm -hmm. on the road these days, but leaders, um, if, if you're not investing that amount of time, you use your gift, but you never develop it. Right. Right. That the reason Andy Stanley, the reason Tim Lucas, the reason Stephen mm -hmm. Furtick mm -hmm. can, or Craig Rochelle can preach mm -hmm. world-class messages is that they are actually spending 20, 25 hours a week on it. Right. They're not. And a lot of us, what happens if you're a gifted communicator is you get to your day gets so blown up that you finally get to Thursday night and you know you can pull something off. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll just throw something together. It'll be fine. Right. And you know what? It is fine. Right. But that's all it is. Right. It'll never be great. It'll right. never be world class. Before we leave messaging, because yep. I think that is, you know, that is such an essential that gets yeah. missed. Have Go you ahead. seen uh, the other thing I've noticed is, and this is one of those things I don't think it's talked about, mm. is in, in those churches that you've mentioned and in, in churches that are, you know, say are prevailing or over a certain time, preaching becomes or teaching becomes a team sport as well. Yes. It, oftentimes it's not, yes, there's a person that's ultimately getting up and speaking. But when you actually drill down to operationally what's happening there, there's a group of people behind that message. There's oh, people that yeah. are working to support with bottom lines, sticky statements, helping doing research, you know, helping doing advanced reading, you know, message prep, all that kind of stuff. Which, which I, which in some ways, I, I think the average you know listener who's listening in today kind of can suffer under that because they're like, man, Andy Stanley gets up and he just is like, I always joke, he's the Pope, right? Like whatever mm. he says is amazing. But, you know, the reason why that is, is not only because he's investing time, but because he has people around him that are investing time, effort, and energy to make that happen as well, which is another thing to think about. Maybe a part of the answer to that, if you're listening in today, is actually who can you bring into that process? How can you invite someone in to help you with that process? And I know it's easy. I'm so glad you mentioned that because we have a team too at Connexus. Yeah. And these days, a lot of them are on staff. And yeah. so a lot of people are like, well, that's great. I don't even have a staff. Like right. you're looking at the staff right mm -hmm. here. Right. What do I do? But I'll go back, you know, 10, 15 years of my leadership when we didn't have staff. Yeah. And every Tuesday night we would meet in my house and it was a group of volunteers. Mm -hmm. And they were just particularly creative people or musical people or ideational people. Ooh. We'd meet in my living room. I'd go through the message and the series and where I wanted to go. And we would come up together with creative elements, ideas, props, that kind of thing. Because if you just let me loose, 
I was going to talk for 40 minutes and be completely uninspiring. <laughs> right. But um, you you can get some really good people. So look to volunteers. Yeah, you should have Tim Lucas from Liquid Church on. He, I, you know, I just thought about that. Because he, he he does this thing called, the, they call it the Thursday Night Gospel Hour, where, mm. I, where I think I've talked to you about it before, where literally he preaches every week, 50 weeks a year, 52 weeks a year, every week he preaches to a small group of people. And, and it sounds funny, but he like preaches. So their room sits 1500 people. He preaches as if there's 1500 people in the room, um, goes through the entire message, every slide, every video cue, all of that. And every week that group of people give feedback on the message before he gets to Sunday. <laughs> as opposed and, to after. Right. As opposed when to you after. can't do anything about nothing, it Exactly. Anymore. And that's his point. And it really comes yeah. out. Of, it was his conviction that we then built a system around. And I really do. And what the advantage for us was we could take other communicators and slot them into that process and really helps. So Nithin, um, who's their kind of secondary communicator there, he's been going through that process. And you can just see over time, his um, his teaching ability is just growing because there's this kind of constant feedback loop happening. He'd be a great person to have on and talk that through. Yeah, you know, that's a good idea. And if you want a slightly different system, you know who else does that? Craig Grishel, episode right. 173. He has right. a more ad hoc system. But yep. even at those levels, like mm-hmm. people are, are, are doing that. I got to ask you, because messaging's core yep. to my life. Yep. Um, a lot of people would say, well, content's downloadable now, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Like I'll just catch the message Mm -hmm. in my car on Mm -hmm. the way. And almost Mm -hmm. everybody has a podcast or, you know, even if you haven't got the money to do a podcast, you've got some little player on your website where they can listen to your message. Um, why is that like, like, is the download going to replace the in-person experience in these growing churches? Mm -hmm. Or it tends to be a both and you're growing online and you're growing in person. Yeah, I'm pretty convic- convinced that, um, you know, the gathered experience of the church isn't going away. Yeah. Um, and I think we want to continue to drive towards that. I, I Listen, you know, we started doing church online at Liquid Church in 2009. I've been doing it for a long time, have, you know, spent a lot of time thinking about that, working on that, trying to make that happen. Um, but at the end of the day, I actually think getting people together, we have a better shot at discipleship, moving people through some sort of connection process when they're when they're in the room rather than just in a chat room somewhere. That's not saying it's not possible. So I think it's both and. I think we do want to do great downloadable experiences, but I've and and I've, you know, I've challenged other communicators that when you watch online, um the experience should leave you with the conclusion I'm missing something because I'm not in the room. I I I actually do think we want people we want a little bit of FOMO there whether it's a giveaway or some sort of, you know, fun experience or music thing or something that then drives like, hey, I should actually show up to a campus sometime. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I think that ultimately is what we want to do from a developmental point of view with people. Well, and that's what we're seeing right now at Connexus. I mean, I was saying when you got here uh, to my place, we I just looked at the numbers from the weekend and we're recording this well, a couple weeks before mm-hmm. it airs. But like we're in a really big series right now. Yeah. And yeah, we just launched a campus. So obviously numbers are up. But if you look at, I call them same store sales. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes, exactly. I get in trouble for this language all right, the time. Right, right, but, right. Uh, Save I your mean, cards and letters. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right. In, in your existing locations, yes. I mean, physical attendance is up. Right. And then we're looking at it. We're getting 3x mm-hmm. um, online attendance over even physical attendance. And our right. physical attendance is up double right. digits year over right. year. That's great. So, I mean, it can be a both and. It doesn't have to be a lose-lose prop. It's not a zero-sum game. Yeah, and I do think people, listen, people, and we know this just through statistics, that people are checking out the the online virtual experience first before they're arriving, you know, and and, and it's amazing how many church websites, 
It's like people don't, it's like leaders aren't thinking about that. Like people are going to decide whether to come to your church or not. First, they're going to go to your website. That's a part of the process. It's got to be great. And so I think churches that like ours that are providing kind of the full experience or as full an experience as they possibly can on demand or live um, is driving them ultimately to say, oh, maybe I should show up and, and arrive at that experience. And a lot of times, and I haven't seen our statistics specifically, I know at Liquid, we were seeing about 50% of our um, church online attenders were people who were coming from within driving distance of one of our existing campuses, mm. which is kind of frustrating in one way. Cause I'm like, why can't you just get in your car and come? Uh, but the other part of it is you realize, Hey, that's just an audience, a potential audience that we should be inviting to come in. And so you'll see, and our church does this liquid. A lot of churches do this. They use that experience to then invite people. Hey, why don't you come? Um, and be a part of the experience. Well, I think your website, your your podcast, your web presence, that is the front door to your Absolutely. church. Hands down. And what we're hearing in the last year, we're two two years, yeah, mm -hmm. two years into our, our live online stream. And yep. we've been, you know, messages have been available since we launched, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the majority of people who now walk through the door for the first time say that they've been watching online for days, weeks, months, right. sometimes a year right. before they walk in the door. So don't neglect that. But that's not the only thing going on. So let's dive <laughs> into the book. Yeah, yeah, no, it's I great. love these free-ranging no, conversations. It's so you, a couple of the, the factors, mm. you, you touched a little bit on volunteer engagement. So yeah. um, do you want to say anything else about that? We talked about it in the context of even prepping for the weekend. Totally. But that is a, a surprising characteristic of growing churches. Yeah. So one of the things that stuck out to me as, and it's it's one of those things I don't think you'd normally think would fit in a conversation about church growth, is it seems like when you look at fast-growing churches, um, even if you just go like Outreach Magazine every fall, they release the, you know, the fastest growing churches in the country. If you look at all those and just say, what do all these churches have in common? Or what are these things, what are these churches doing? One of the things you see is a lot of these churches are doing you know, and I've struggled for the language, what to call it, but what I'm called it here is a mass community service experience. These would be these, mm. uh, really this opportunity of trying to get a high percentage of your adults, 60, 70, 80% of your adults out of their seats and into the streets, actually right. doing some sort of community service thing. So kind of the example that people might be aware of would be Elevation Church's Love Week. So if you look every year, every uh, summertime, uh, Love Week happens. And what they do is last summer, I think it was like 15,000 volunteers they mobilized in a week. And they literally fan out across their, their city and do hundreds of thousands of community service hours. Now, that sounds like a great, that's a kind of good thing to do. It's like, wow, all churches should be making that sort of impact. But it's not isolated to them. You know, Crossroads um, in Cincinnati Again, they the last two of the last three years, they've been identified as one of the fastest growing churches. They they do a thing every Thanksgiving where they uh, last year I think they gave away sixty thousand Thanksgiving dinners to people across their yeah. community, mobilized all kinds of people. Eastside Church in California, they actually do so much of this kind of mass mobilization stuff. They actually had someone make a movie about it because they're just if you go on their website, you see it time and time again. We saw this at Liquid Church where um, we would we would do we close down the city streets and uh, run a five k for clean water or. Um, we do these 24-hour rebuilding projects. We uh, we rebuilt a, a battered women's shelter once. We mobilized coming out of a series on kind of, you know, man, man biblical kind of manliness. Um, you know, the, the outcome of the series was, um, why don't you use your strength out for good rather than for evil? And we go and help um, women who normally have been, have seen men use their, their strength for negative rather than for positive or, mm. you know, or just this last year, Liquid did uh, another Christmas outreach where they, they packaged a million meals in one day. Um, or, you know, we just went through this. You, if you spent time online, 
Um, you see of a lot of churches, I think they're up over 500 churches this year, um, did uh, the Tim Tebow Foundation's uh, Night to Shine, which we did at Liquid. We were one of the first churches that first year. I think there was a dozen that first year that did it. And the amazing thing about that is that event takes something like three or four volunteers for every guest. So we would have 500 guests come, but we need like 2,000 volunteers to make wow. it happen. Now, the interesting thing that happens with these things is, so all of these events, when you look, they're, they're these idea of getting people again out of their seats, into the streets, making a difference in their community. It's it's not just, um, you know, we're not just kind of doing do-good type stuff, but it's actually about mobilizing people to make a difference. And, and there's something about engagement. And you've said this, Carrie, that, you know, churches in the future, if they want to grow, are going to be thinking less about growth, more about engagement. Yeah. And these types of events, what they're doing is engaging a high percentage of adults, 60, 70, 80% of adults in your church. Um, and we're seeing that time and time again in churches. And what's interesting is it seems to be easier, tell me if you agree with this, but doesn't it seem to be easier to recruit for that kind of event even than for more people to, you know, greet on Sunday morning or, oh, absolutely. or yeah. Well, absolutely. And why I, I, is that? Well, I, you know what I think it is, is actually, and we would at liquid, we knew this full well, because you think about the ask, even just about the Tim Tebow event that just went through night to shine. Yeah. So you think about the, the ask, Hey, could you spend two hours on a Friday night to help a young adult who didn't, wasn't able to ever have a prom experience, uh, to have them to ha to, to give them a prom. Um, we're going to make it really easy. We're going to provide, um, you know, all the materials you need. And this kid, it's it's literally going to be, you know, a life-changing experience for them. Would you like to do that? Yeah. yeah. Who's the person going to say no to that? Like, right. who's right. the person that's like, and it's two hours on a Friday night. Exactly. And all yeah. of these, a part of the trick of these things or part of the approach of all these mass engagement events is they're all small commitments like that. So you look at right. Love Week, people are like, how on earth do they get 15,000 people to serve? Well, the way they do that is they say, 15,000 people, we need you to serve somewhere between two or three hours sometime this coming week. And it's all the same kind of thing. It's yeah. like, they're, they're for lack of better word, they're like, they're um, warm and fuzzy, amazing events that make a difference that you can see, you know, direct line. We had the same thing with clean water. Hey, could you run for clean water on what there are people, you know, there's a billion people at that point where there's a billion people in the world who don't have access to clean drinking water. Could you give up a Saturday morning? and run for clean water, run 5K for clean water, and raise some money to make that happen. Yes, I could do that. Yeah. You know, you, and, and so now what we found on the back end was, now we're, this, um, the adva advantage for us from a volunteering point of view is we would then say to those people, hey, wasn't that an amazing experience? And then we would convert those people to then volunteering in our weekend, weekend. Exactly. Because they've already experienced it. They've already had some sort of experience. Now, from this point of view, from a church growth point of view, the part I found fascinating was, so our churches, you know this, Carrie, and people who are listening in know this. The reason why your church grows is because your people tell their friends about church. The thing we've learned through studies is only 2% of people will ever or have told their friends about your church in the last year. If you're an average church, it's about 2%. Now, these events, the great thing about these events is they're highly remarkable. They're the kind of yes. thing that you literally want to remark on. They're the kind of thing you want to tell your friend about. Hey, we just threw a prom for people who never had a prom. Absolutely. Or, you know, we went and, you know, fixed this battered women's shelter. And, yeah. you know, and they're almost built for, for social media. So you think about the rebuilding of a, a battered women's shelter. Like we gave every one of those guys a t-shirt and it was a nice July day. You know, there's a lot of selfies being taken, you know, a lot of that. And what what's happening there? So we are obviously making a difference, but then we're also, all those guys are then on Facebook or whatever their, you know, social media of choice is and are spreading that to other people. Right. They're not doing that typically with what's happening on a typical Sunday morning at your church. Well, and if it feels overwhelming, 
rich. I mean, yep. can they jump into an existing event and just flood it? So, for example, our Aurelia location, um, coldest night of the year. Yeah. Happens in February. It's a Canadian thing. I don't know. Maybe yep. it's American, too. I don't know. Yep. But uh, it gets cold yeah. in the winter. Exactly. And homeless people yep. have, you know, they die yep. on the street, literally, unless there's shelter. So we raise money mm-hmm. uh, for awareness of homelessness. And then by a couple of years ago, Conexus people got so involved that we said, oh, my gosh, this is almost a Conexus event. Right. And again, it's all over social media. It's well known in the community. You invite your friends to it. And it's a way for people going, hey, this was great. Now I can get involved on Sunday. So this is a good example where I, I think what we're seeing that is a little different um, in churches is churches are um, really seeing themselves in the driver's seat of the event rather than necessarily, although they're serving another organization. So, you know, um, with Love Week, it's all they, that Elevation does. It's all partners that they're partnering with to make it happen. There's lots of social service agencies, lots of other things that they're doing with. But at the end of the day, it's an Elevation event. It's an Elevation event. And they're, gotcha. elevation, they're wearing an Elevation t-shirt. I know it's so funny. I, a friend of mine, Mike, you know, always says, oh, it seems to come down to whose name's on the t-shirt. Uh, but there's some <laughs> truth to that. Um, and so, that you, you know, they, uh, you know, you, you've got your people and your t-shirts and you know, obviously you're then leveraging, you know, churches that become more sophisticated than this. You're using, you know, you're shooting video and doing, um, you know, photos for social media and all that stuff, because you know, it's going to kind of be a highly visual um, experience. So although I don't think you need, you shouldn't be reinventing the wheel. It shouldn't be the kind of thing where you're like, like the Tim Tebow event is a perfect example of that. That is Night to Shine is a prepackaged, ready to go. You do have to go through an approval process with them, but it's it's a ready to go event that then you can use right. to kind of celebrate in your community. Hey, here's some great stuff happening. Um, so yeah, I think you should structure you know around existing things, but you don't need to invent it from the ground up. Okay, good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, what what other things do you see? Well, I think on specifically on this front, um, you know, there's a couple ways that th- these events help churches grow. So, you know, the, the first thing, like I said, I talked about it, these events are remarkable at their core. There's right. a high volunteer, you know, engagement. The thing that is required of a church to convince people to give up even two hours on a Saturday. To, in order to do that, there's had to been a tremendous amount of kind of vision casting that's going. We know that people's time is super important to them. And if you can convince them to give up two hours of the time, the chances are that they're going to tell their friends. And then at the end of the day, there's an interesting thing that happens here where people look at us and say, um, like that seems like a good thing, and I'm I'm happy to join you in a good thing. Um, you know, this would be the people we're trying to reach, unchurched folks, to say that's a good thing. Now we see it as a God thing. You know, take Man. the 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 night to shine again. I'm just struck by that because it just went through, and I, it just seems like my my Facebook feed was flooded with all kinds of churches that were doing that, which is exciting for me. You know, we look at that and say, you know, there there is no kind of more spiritual moment than making the last first, and literally these young young people are last in their entire lives. And what we do on that night is roll out the red carpet and make them kings and queens. For, for us, that's a deeply spiritual thing. For people in our community, unchurched folks, they just look at it and say, that's a good thing to do. That's yeah, a kind yeah, of thing. yeah. I'd love to be a part of that. That's fun. Now, where there's something amazing there where if the church can tap into, a lot of us have, you know, we've, a lot of us have used the four, the hashtag for whatever, you know, for our town. Um, but imagine that picking events like this where we literally can work, you know, with our community to make a difference. I'll give you an example. Um, friend of mine, uh, Peter Goweski, he was, uh, he's now a church planner in Sarasota. And um, he, he was, this was when he was on staff with us at Liquid. And he went to his mayor and what we asked, because we were leading up to a similar experience like Love Week. And we said, we asked our campus pastors to try to get to the highest ranking official in their town. So if you can't mm-hmm. get to the mayor, maybe this, you know, superintendent or someone like that. Well, he got to the mayor in town and he went in and met with the mayor. And this mayor, 
great guy. But if you can picture what a mayor in New Jersey, what would be your impression of, you know, what's a, a, a mayor in New Jersey? Uh, Sopranos. Yeah, it's yeah. just kind of that, okay. you know, he's kind of lived up to his reputation. <laughs> and, uh, and so my friend Peter goes in and says, hey, mayor, like, I want to explain this. We've got about 200 volunteers that we'd like to, to work for, I don't know, maybe four or five hours on a Saturday. And we've got a certain amount of money that we'd like to invest somehow in, the, in town. What can we do to make a difference? Well, this mayor leaned way back in his chair and looked at Peter and said, all day long, people come into this office and they have things they want me to do. They come here and say, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? I've got this I need to get done. I need to get, get that done. I've never once had anyone come into my office and mm. say, hey, what can, I, what can we do for you? And so I think these kinds of events, we are, we're, we're excited about being hashtag for our towns, uh, but these kinds of events actually make it tangible, actually go beyond just, hey, this was, you know, it was just kind of an idea or a, you know, social media thing. It actually is we're trying to make a, a difference. And, and that actually ultimately ended up snowballing. That relationship ended up snowballing and all kinds of really cool things at that specific campus because ultimately this, this, this mayor who I don't know where his relationship with Jesus is, but where this mayor was excited to work with this church that wanted to make uh, a difference. And so for me, I think when we're thinking about our churches growing, we want to be the kind of place that people want to come and be a part of. We, we want to be the kind of church that people want to be a part of. And we know that unchurched folks, they see this stuff as good. They're like, that's the kind of stuff a church should do. Yeah. And so what we want to do is say, let's meet them there and actually do it. You know, all our churches, not all our churches, you know, a lot of our churches in, in whatever you call the kind of church it is that we do, you know, we have a, a band and we maybe want our band to be a little better, but we have a band or, you know, we maybe have lights or we have smoke or whatever. All of those things we're doing because not because we think bands or smokes or all that is, is, is like the way to do church. We do those things because we're trying to reach unchurched people. These events fit in the same category. They're the kind of thing that unchurched people want to be a part of. They're the kind of thing that they want to connect with. And so the thing we've seen through this study is, and I think this is one of the five um, flywheels, is I think your church should be doing two or three of these a year. Um, it should be the kind of thing you should be investing in time and time again. And it will, all, over time, it will gain traction, become more remarkable, the kind of thing your people want to tell their friends about and ultimately see your church grow. I mean, doesn't that just, though, divert energy away from Sunday? Like, it's like you've got limited resources, or how does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, this is, um, you know, there could be people listening and are like, aren't we just supposed to be preaching the word? Aren't we just supposed to be preaching yeah, the gospel? Yeah, you yeah. know, kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know if and, and if they hear it, they'll come to Christ, and that's it. Settled. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, um, you know, when you look at the New Testament from a biblical point of view, it, Jesus is pretty clear that we're supposed to spend time with the poor and, and serve the poor. So it is, like I said, that's that good thing, God thing. You know, we, we know this is where he, he actually, ironically, what he wants us to be a part of. But at its core, actually, I do think it's a great tactic. And I actually, in my head, I can separate those two things and say, even if Jesus didn't call us to serve the poor, we are in an age where people want to make a difference in the communities they're in. And so I'm saying, let's use our church to organize those people. And the fact that those people are getting connected to our church will ultimately drive a path to them connecting with us on uh, Sunday morning. You know, unchurched people do want to make a difference in their community. It's the thing you have in, in common with them. You live in the same community. So why don't we try to work together to make it uh, a better community? Well, some people might come at it from another perspective. They might say, great. Uh, you want to serve your community, awesome. But doing it once a year or three times a year and putting t-shirts on and just doing this blitz, like, does that actually serve anybody in the community? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, I know there's people that are listening in today that are like, okay, this is, yeah. 
they're like, come on. You should be up there 52 weeks a year and this should be who you are. And this is just a fake thing to get it off your conscience. Absolutely. They would say, oh, maybe you're just petting the poor or this is like some sort of, you know, it's just a marketing gimmick. And, and, you know, my, my, my challenge to people who would be that would say, listen, that all the organizations I've partnered with to do these events or have had, you know, you know, relationships with, none of them turn away hundreds of volunteers showing up a few times a year to help with something. So yeah. the Battered Women's Shelter I told you about, they were very excited for the fact that we were willing to bring hundreds of guys. I think we brought 500 guys that day and did all kinds of work in their location. Now, yes, would they like us to be helping year, throughout the year? And I would say, yes, absolutely. And so what I what I know is ultimately we want to move people towards a generous lifestyle. And this is a way to get a lot of people in our communities to take one small step towards that. We are going to try to make it easier for them. So yes, Night to Shine is a, is a great kind of emotion-filled, you know, amazing night. Um, you know, a higher, you know, more you know, higher value experience or people who would say, yeah, I'd like to give maybe one night a month and, you know, would love to volunteer in a local um, you know, education program for, you know, adults with special needs. And, and that we're going to be able to do that when we expose people to these experiences. So really I see it as a one step in. So ultimately where I see, see this works the best is, um, churches that are doing not only three or four times a year, they're doing some kind of high impact thing, getting lots of people involved, but then have ongoing partnerships. And our churches like this, you know, yeah. we have, we do not only kind of this big coldest night of the year and those kind of things, but then, you know, we also send people to the, the exact same organization, the food, sh- the, the, yeah. uh, the shelter on a regular basis to make meals, you know, send four volunteers and you go and cook spaghetti or whatever and go from there. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a both end, not yeah, an either or. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Run us through all five flywheels if you can, because you got five principles. Absolutely. So the five ones that we're, we're talking about, first of all, the book starts with the conversation around, you know, why is church growth important? Is it the kind of thing you should mm-hmm. be, you know, should be wrestling with? So that's outside of it. And, and my hope is on the front end, um, actually, I start the book with, you know, these are the kind of people that probably won't like this book. So, um, you know, that that's really where we begin. So the first we talk about big days. Um, so the first flywheel is all about, you know, you, every year at your church, there are three or four days every year that make a difference to your church. There's this me- amazing thing happens where your people are more likely to invite their friends and their friends are more likely to attend. And so the first flywheel is how do we leverage those big days? They're coming around. We've got one coming up here. They're always three or four months out. That's that's the first one. Next is really the series promotion. So, you know, we, most of our churches are using some kind of series where we're flipping from kind of, um, you know, one topic to the next. And so we pull apart and have a discussion around how do we leverage that rhythm to make a difference on, you know, a regular basis? How do we kind of, so we talk about changing the channel, which I realize is becoming an older and older concept. People don't change the channel anymore, but mm-hmm. I, probably this is the last time I could put it in there. So we'll- uh, I know, remember changing the channel. Remember that? You had to actually mm-hmm. get up and actually change the channel. I do. Um, so, you know, it just doesn't work as well as say, you know, change the Netflix, you know, category. It just doesn't have the same- Switch shows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Switch shows. <laughs> Uh, then we've got this, you know, this whole uh, thing that we're talking about here, which is, you know, the mass mobilization. We we talk, you know, a lot uh, about that throughout the book. Um, and then I talk about internal communications. So how is it that we, which is a bit of an interesting to have in a book like this, how how is it that we ensure that the right message gets to the right people at the right time? How do we ensure that uh, the people who are in our churches are even know how to, you know, communicate about, you know, what's happening uh, at the church. So I think that's all five. I think I went yeah, through yeah. all five of those. All right. Can I back up and just yes. drill down on that? Let's talk a little bit about moving from series to series. No, yes. not every church uh, 
Right. Preaches in series. I know there's some great growing churches that'll do like a 26 week series mm-hmm. or a 90 week mm-hmm. series or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to go through the gospel of Matthew, finish when we're yes. done. Yep. Got through two verses this week. So, yes. but a lot of churches do series, you know, yep. four to six week series, three week series. One of the advantages we have at Connexus, because you're part of our church, is you just come in and like mm. give us free tips, which is amazing. <laughs> amazing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you've you've had some really helpful thoughts that I think have helped us at mm. Connexus mm. to move uh, ahead. So just give us a couple of insights into maybe what churches are missing, you know, other than just standing up there and going, hey, next week we start a brand new series called Invisible, blah, yes. blah, blah. It's our Easter series. You should come. Okay, let's just assume everyone's doing that. Right. What are they missing? What, what What's beyond that? Yeah, so first of all, I think series are important because um, people are interested in not just what you're talking about now, but what's coming next. So, you know, you think about this, people, we, I would love it if everybody who came to our church every weekend was super engaged in what was going on now. And and although I think the preaching is amazing every week at our church, Carrie, there are, I'm sure there are people who are <laughs> sitting in the audience who who just aren't, frankly, interested in what we're talking about now. And so what you want to do is ensure that, first of all, before you get to what you're promoting, is that you're kind of switching between topics that really are um, as kind of different as possible from topic to topic to try to create actually some um, some angst as we kind of process, as we go from one to the next. So an example, you know, you could start off the beginning of the year with a, you know, new year, new you, that kind of, mm-hmm. hey, it's a great, to, you know, great to be back. And a lot of churches do that kind of thing. Well, then what if you went from there, you went to like an Old Testament prophet and like, we're going to apply the ancient, you know, you know, ancient wisdom from yesterday to our lives today, that, that sort of thing. Well, then you could come from there to, you're then probably coming in close to Easter. And then you could go into a series about Jesus. Now, the, what you're doing there is you're you're just deciding the order that you're putting things on so that there is a difference from one series to the next. So that actually, as you're talking about them, uh, you then, you know, it seems like, oh, wow, this is so different going from one thing to the next. It'll it'll draw people and it'll get, it'll get them more interested. Now, what you want to do, and then we talk about this in more detail in the book, but what we what you want to do is develop, and this really is where the flywheel is, is so important, is saying, what are the things we're going to do every time we launch a new series? And so in here, I actually talk about 10 things I think every church should do uh, when they roll into a new series. And you, what you need to do is stop thinking, mm, is this a series we're going to do invite cards for? Or is this a series we're going to do like a video on Facebook? Or should we do a Facebook Live the day before the series launch? What you need to do is just decide, these are the 10 things we're doing, or these are the eight things or the four things or whatever they are, and just keep doing them every time. And what you'll find over time is actually that will create um, the momentum of of people kind of anticipating what's coming up next. And so we pull apart a little bit on how to do that and give you some examples and um, talk that through. But I think the important thing for, and yeah, and there are lots of people who, you know, the the church I first started in way back 20 years ago, uh, the lead guy was, was there he didn't teach in series at all. It just was kind of, this is what I'm thinking about this week. And I know there are churches that are still doing this. Again, this book has been based out of what are some of the fastest churches, growing churches that are doing out there today. And I know that some of those don't do, you know, series teaching. But if you look on a whole, um, that is still a dominant approach. This idea of we're going to package up somewhere between six to 12 weeks of the, you know, similar four to 12 weeks of similar content, really helping people to understand. There's a whole conversation around, you know, we live in an over-informationized age and actually series helps people hang content in buckets, which then they can access later. It kind of gives them, it's a way to organize information, which as we, as we go forward, actually people who just curate or, you know, collect information for folks actually have huge value to people in a world where there is no lack of information. People, you know, 
They can search, you know, what does the Bible think on? They can do that on Google. The question is, can they have it whittled down in a way that makes sense to them uh, and makes sense in their context that they're, you know, they're living in? You're right. It's a form of curation. Absolutely. Really is what it is. And there was an argument a couple of years ago that series were going away yep. and that they were kind of passe and mm-hmm. nobody was really doing them anymore. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that's actually true. And actually, when I hear you say it's a way of, of people assimilating information and remembering information that really resonates because... Yep. When we have conversations, we're a decade into Connexus now. We've mm-hmm. almost always taught in series. Well, I think without exception, we have. I can't think of a time where we haven't over the last right. decade. But you ask people like, uh, you know, what was a defining moment for you? Oh, totally. And they will be like, like it or love it five years ago right. or 180. And right. you're like, wow, that was a seven-year-old series. Right. Like, how yes. do you even remember? Remember Jesus the Guru? Yeah, absolutely. People, a couple yep. of people who were around back then, they'll still talk about that. Yep. And like, if you think about what did you preach in November of 2012, you'd be like, I have no idea. But you put a name on that and a graphic and a branding on that. And it doesn't just stick in your memory. It sticks in like even it's just a shorthand around your church. Yeah. Totally. And, and it's easy to access. Yeah, we um, absolutely had that at Liquid too. There would be, you know, and there would be... Um, individual messages, it, it becomes a little bit annoying when you land it well, because it's like you can't get back to that content because <laughs> because it sticks so well. We had this message years ago, uh, Waffles and Spaghetti. It was a relationship series that literally for years after, like I heard so many people talk about, well, there you're being Waffle Brain or, oh, you're being Spaghetti Brain again. And it was it was just a reference back to the series that, you know, was, you know, that we happened to do. So, I, you know, I think there are, so there definitely are teachers out there who are who don't want to do um, series. I get that. I think most of that's actually teacher driven, not people driven. I think actually, I think there are preachers who get tired of every four weeks, I've got to come up with a new branding hook. And so it's like, I just don't want to do that, which is fine. I understand that. Um, I would say you need to get some more people around you to help you with that. And and again, it may not be the end all and be all, but I think it is one piece of the puzzle. Well, the other thing you break down in the book too, and and I know this, not because I've read the book, it's just Mm -hmm. out today, but because, because I know you and we've had this discussion is it's it's um, multi-channel and multi-sensory. Mm-hmm. You know, I think our stereotype is you get up there and say, so don't miss next week. We yes. start a brand new series, which is great. That is one channel. That's right. one approach, yep. but it's email. Right. It's cards. Yep. We've experimented with different sizes yep. of cards. We've done posters. You do social media. You mm-hmm. do video. You do text. You yep. do like... And I know that can sound overwhelming, but when you break it down, actually, it's not that much stuff. It's just some people are going to gravitate to social. Some mm-hmm. are going to open their emails. Mm-hmm. Some are going to want a card that they can put in their neighbor's mailbox or hand to the person that they sit next to at work. So you're thinking about all those things, right? Absolutely. So most church leaders, and they heard, you just heard that, and then you you resonated with it well. There, There's, I think, a lot of church leaders when you start talking about, oh my goodness, we're going to send 10 different pieces of communication when we launch a series— they get a little freaked out by that. Yeah. My, my challenge for them is our, our most of our church's problem isn't overexposure, it's obscurity. So mm. the problem isn't that, well, so people just know so much about what's going on in our church. And that's not true. <laughs> the problem is they have no idea what's happening at our church. Yeah. And so you've got to actually push the overcommunication side of the envelope and do more. So, you know, the, the thing I've said in coaching before is you just need to double everything. If you do, if you normally send, you know, one email to launch a series, you should be sending two. If you do, you know, invite cards three times a year and you're doing six times a year, you know, you, you, you have to do more. And then I'll say to you next year, just do more. You, you can't really, we can't leave it to other people to make what we're doing a priority in their lives. We have to lead them 
to make it a priority in their lives. And so it means we got to get in front of them. We got to, you know, and, and this comes down to simple stuff. We did a study a couple of years ago. We went out, I think it was 25 churches or 27 churches. Um, we did a study around Saturday emails. So the, what happens if we could get the lead pastor or someone, you know, who the church knows to send an email out on Saturday? Could we prove that there would actually be a bump in attendance? And so what we found was, well, yes, there was. Now it's a non-scientific <laughs> study. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, this is not, it wasn't Lifeway, Rainer, you know, this is not Rainer, right. it wasn't Rainer, Gallup. It's not Gallup or, or, you know, Lifeway Research or, you know, Warren Bird or any of those guys. I've actually encouraged some of those organizations that you should test that. Is that, is that a legitimate thing? But what we found, it makes sense. You know, people are making that decision, um, you know, whether they should come to your church or not. And we have to kind of get in their face a little bit and say, hey, this is going to be an amazing weekend. You know, there's, I know sometimes people, you know, I think for us, it's one of those areas, again, that we get tired of doing it. Mm. We get tired of saying it all the time. But our people, they're bombarded with all kinds of information that they, that, and we have to push through that. We've got to make what we're doing a priority in their lives. I got one of the best reminders in over 20 years of, you know, communicating at a church. Uh, just this past weekend, hmm. I just flew back from Edmonton, Alberta, break forth, and I got to meet Gary Chapman. I was telling nice. you about this. Yeah. So five love languages. All yeah. right. I'm sure there's very few listeners of the tens <laughs> right. of thousands of listeners to this podcast that have not heard of the five love languages. Yes. And so I had an opportunity to share a couple of meals with him, have conversation with him. And I asked him, you know, tell me about the book. He says, well, it came out 25 years ago and Amazing. it sold a ridiculous, it sold over 10 million copies. Crazy. All right. So you think your book has done well. <laughs> <laughs> I won't sell anywhere like, near 10 million. Oh my million. gosh. 10 million <laughs> copies. That's insane. Yes. And, and, you know, Dr. Chapman, he's not young. He's, right. I didn't ask him, but he's got to be in his, I would think seventies or so of a by math. Age. He's a man of a certain age. Thank you. <laughs> and I thought, you know, as a speaker, yep. that's tiring. Yeah. Why are you on the road? And right. so I kind of asked him, I said, why do you still do this? Because he's on the road like over 100, 200 days a year. It's crazy. And he's, and I'll never forget his answer. He said, because most of the people in the room haven't heard the message. That's amazing, right. And I'm like, you sold over 10 million books. You've been yes. doing this for 25 <laughs> years. I'm like, and then I sat down to breakfast the next day and I'm sitting there with a bunch of book publishers yep. having breakfast. Yep. And I'm telling them the story and I'm like, so, okay, let's try to name the five love languages. Cause we're all talking about, you yes. know, my wife is physical touch or she's, right. you know, acts of service or whatever. We, between four of us could not name all five <laughs> love languages. We kept missing one. And then it was That's like, uh, words of, words of affirmation. No, I think we got that one. And like, yes. So you think, and that was such a reminder to me. I yep. was just so owned. It's yep. like, oh, everyone's heard this. True. No, yes. they haven't. And it's you true. talk about email. Mm -hmm. I just watched a video mm -hmm. from uh, Jeff Walker. Yep. All right. Yep. Product launch formula, launch guy, PLF yep. guy. Yep. And Facebook just changed its algorithm. And yep. you may have noticed church leaders that you're getting no organic reach. Right. Right. All right. of a sudden, you know, nobody's on your Facebook anymore. And you're like, right. ah, we don't right. have budget for that. Blah, blah, right. blah, blah. He just redid a video that he's mm -hmm. done every year. He's mm -hmm. like, and Michael Hyatt said this in platform. Yep. Do not, do not, do not build your platform on right. on on social yep. because you know Mark Zuckerberg changes the algorithm. Bye right. bye audience. Right. You know Instagram changes. Yep. And see you later. Totally. And keep doing it, but it's it's going to keep changing, and you have no mm -hmm. control. He's like email. You have a hundred percent control over and. Churches neglect email. Oh, right. Absolutely. Well, and not only do churches neglect email, but they neglect mail mail. Like actual, mail mail. like, you know, put it in the box. They still and do that, that, Rich? Yeah, it's crazy. What? Because you think about open rights. It's funny because that is Open true, rights. You know, you, you think people talk. <laughs> your open rate's probably 100%. <laughs> it's got to be close to, right? If you send a letter to someone in your church, 
you probably have 80, 90% open rate where if you post on Facebook, good luck getting more than 1% of people to see that if you're not boosting it. Yeah. And, and we get so enamored by that. And that's a part of what we talk about in the flywheel. Like, Hey, you've got to, you've got to try all of those channels and say, we're going to do all of that, you know, because you want to surround people with that message. You want to like, you know, some, some people will, they'll take the thing and put it up on their fridge at home as dorky as it sounds. They actually will do that. You know, then you say the emails that show up and then, yeah, still do social media and still, you know, we did uh, three years ago, four years ago at um, Liquid, we called 2,500 people the week before Easter to personally invite them. We had people call and say, hey, we want you to come this weekend. This isn't robocaller. No, this This is is a real person. Actual, actual, we organized a team of people to do that. It was a massive undertaking. But shocker, guess what? We saw an, a, bump, a bump in, yeah. you know, in attendance because people are like, oh, wow, someone called me from the church. That's and break it down. That's 250 people making 10 phone calls or right. 25 people making 100 phone calls. Exactly. It's, it's not, not that It's not crazy, crazy to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the kind of thing most churches shy away from that stuff. Again, yeah. because, and I think we play this head game with us where we're like, oh, everyone knows what's going on. No, no, no one knows what's going on at your church. Yeah. They don't, they don't. Even if, even if, you know, beyond the, you know, the very tight leadership circle at your church, those people know what's going on. Lots of other people have no idea. They got lots of other things happening in their lives. I mean, you need to stay in front of them. You know, email is a good example. Just look at, you know, how much email does Amazon send you? If you've ever bought Mm -hmm. anything from Amazon, Mm -hmm. you know, they're on you probably 15 times a week with some, you know, some piece of thing about whatever's going on. You know, you don't need to do 15 emails a week, but I can tell you, you should be doing more than one a week. Um, you should be doing more than one a month. Um, you need to be doing more to get out in front of people for sure. Yeah. Well, you know what I love is it's so practical. And, well, and everything that we covered, Rich, it really, it feels doable. Mm. Like this is this is not like, you know, oh, I need a million dollars and right. 10,000 people. Yes. No, you can go serve your community. You really. can actually take a slightly different approach to series promotion or big Sundays or volunteer engagement um, you can Absolutely. just do a better job at that stuff. Absolutely. And what the way really it's designed, my hope is that people will like, hopefully they read the whole thing. Um, but to really attack, say, we're going to work on just this one chapter. Let's work on this one piece. We got our Easter's coming up. Let's work to maximize that big day. And then we can move on to some of the other stuff. We don't have to try to do it all at once. You can kind of add the pieces to the flywheel as you go. Again, this is a long game. It's it's mm. it's let's do some things now that I really do think are going to make a difference three years from now. It's not, you know, this isn't like do something now and this fall you'll have a lot more people. It's, it's, it's a building process. It's how do we invest now a little bit of energy, a little bit of energy, and over time it'll make a big difference in the life of your church. That's cool. Tell us about the book and where they can find it, Rich. Yeah, so you can get it at churchgrowthflywheel.com. Um, you can just drop by there and uh, you can pick up a copy. Now, if you go to churchgrowthflywheel.com forward slash carry, C-A-R-E-Y, I got a special treat for just for people of your podcast. So <laughs> cool. you can actually download the first chapter. So you don't even have to pay me for the first chapter. You can just download it there for free. <laughs> uh, you can also at that same link uh, forward slash carry. Uh, you can you can uh, you can buy a book from there too, but you don't have to. You could just download the first chapter and read it and see well whether I really want to get it or not. You could do that uh, before you pick it up. But I'd be honored. It comes out today. Um, I'm super honored that Carrie be on your podcast. And Carrie, I just want to say on behalf of everybody that listens to your podcast couple things. First of all, I love your heart for the church. You, you, it's amazing to see how that comes through time and time again. Um, and, you know, and second of all, I also love your 
um, desire to learn and grow. You know, I think one of the things you're modeling for us through this podcast is that all of us as leaders should be looking for ways to grow and develop, which you, I think you just take for granted that, that that not everyone does that. And so I thank you for that. You're challenging us to think, hey, how do I become a better person? How do I become a better leader? And I appreciate that you're modeling that for us uh, even through this podcast. Well, Rich, you're one of the people I'm learning from. I think, you know, as much as we said in January, you know, same store sales are up. Yes, <laughs> I exactly. do like that phrase. I'm yes, just going to confess phrase. it. I actually had a young church leader at an event I spoke at pull me aside and said, thanks for using, his name was Dale, I think. Yes. He said, thanks for using like business analogies right. in your church. And I'm yes. like, I get crucified for that every week. So thank you. <laughs> I really good. appreciate it. Nice. Um, but you know, a lot of that is honestly, we've just adopted some of these principles in the church mm. growth flywheel. Mm. And, you know, instead of doing that at Easter and Christmas, like we're just now, we're ju we just have a system. And right. again, if you systematize it, it's like your personal habits, right, yep. Rich? Yeah, totally. If you're going to get up early and write, or mm. you're going to go for a run every day at four o'clock or you know, you're going to eat healthy or cut out sugar or whatever your, your, your system is. Right. Um, you do that over time and you get, you get great results. That's Absolutely. why I'm really excited about this. So Absolutely. thanks for all you do. Thank you. And thanks for having like actual research and like <laughs> talking to people who really, who really make it happen. I no, appreciate that. Karen. And, and you'll be back again. So I'm really excited. It's called church growth flywheel. It is out today. Church growth, 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 flywheel.com. Yes, that's it. That's, that's a great. great website. Yeah, I can't thanks. believe that was available. Yeah, churchgrowthflywheel.com. Okay. <laughs> Just as we wrap up, um, we do talk about publishing. We hear every week from people who think they have a book in them. Hmm. Uh, and we have Esther Federkevich who said, hey, you can just send it to info at, I think it's thefedagency.com. Hmm. She's my agent. Um, but you took another route. You mm -hmm. self-published this one too? Yeah, so this is self-published. Published. Amazon Create? Yeah, it's called Create Space. Create and Space. So it's, you know, so technically the publisher is on seminary, which is me. So it's I'm self-publishing. Yeah. Um, but, but it's a beautiful book. I mean, I've seen a sample chapter and I mean, you do a, a gorgeous job with it. It is a totally pro product. Thanks. Yeah. And I'm happy to, I think there's a lot of pastors that are listening in today. This is a whole other conversation, but I do think a book is a great tool for you to use to actually reach people in your community. Actually, you talk about a flywheel. You could use that as a part of a big day. Hey, we've got, we just did this at our church. Yeah. We had in January, we were launching a new series. You were launching off and we gave away a book on the opening mm -hmm. day. Now that happened to be someone else's book, but there's no reason why that couldn't be be your book. And there was a time where, um, you know, there was all kinds of gatekeepers around that. And I think there's still really a place for that. I'm looking forward to your book coming out this fall. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, we're going to give it away. Um, that's I just gave away oh. <laughs> the giveaway to our church. But, yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, but that, you know, I think is 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 wonderful. But I think you, there's no reason why you have to get a publisher to make that happen. You could use something like Amazon Create Space. Right. You know, you just have to do some design. So work typically, and, you could even take like your favorite sermon series over the last three years. Absolutely. Online, you can you can hire even if you don't do manuscripts. Like I've done, you can mm -hmm. do these little services online yeah. where you get them transcribed, mm -hmm. hire an editor, yeah. put it together. You know, you polish it up and you publish it. Did who did your cover? Uh, so we just use 99 designs. I know. Yeah, you so hear it on every podcast. It's I know. like 99 designs, but they did a beautiful job. Yeah, we just gave them sponsorship on this podcast. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, use the code, whatever. Um, yeah. No, it's true. Like, And we did that. So um, at Liquid Church, we uh, for one of our big days, uh, we uh, Tim Lucas had a, a, um, a one message on relationships called You Married the Wrong Person. Oh, that's a great uh, title. Is it, is it title great envy. title. And Thank so it was a killer him. message, mm -hmm. and uh, and it was great. Well, what he did, what we did, what he decided was, why don't why don't we kind of build that up into a small book? And his joke was, I want to write a relationship book that guys will actually read, um, which is true. It actually is a fantastic little book. And what we did was we we printed it. Now we didn't use Create Space. We actually just made the book, and you know you can sell it on Amazon. That's fine. But for us. 
uh, we gave it away and kicked off a series and it was a huge win for us. And the idea of it, you know, it's great being an author uh, and people are like, oh, you're an author. It really doesn't mean that much. Uh, it's, it's not like, well, we're, you know, I think different. I still, as my dad says, put my pegs, my pants on one leg at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it was a great tool for us to kind of kick off. And I would say that's a great tactic, even for leaders that are listening in today, that could be a tool. And all we did literally was take an old message from two years ago, two years before that had really resonated. And he spent some time and he had to yeah, sure. to, kind of, to, to blow it up and kind of, and, and, and turn it into a book, um, which then we ended up, he basically repreached it, used that for this. We kind of hold the, the whole series was based around that idea. And it's great. It was a great tool for sure. Yeah. And, and the fun thing is you don't end up with 10,000 copies in your garage. You can't sell. Right. Absolutely. Right. So is yep. this the same thing? Like exact it literally prints on demand. Yeah. So it prints on demand. So they, you know, so if you're going there today to buy a, a book from, from Amazon, um, they'll say, well, they will prime it to you. Cause what happens is that you, whatever they buy today, they print them at night and then mail them out tomorrow. That's is, crazy. I can't crazy. believe that. So if you sell a thousand copies in a day, yes. they print a thousand books. The yeah. next day you sell one. Yes. They print one book. Yeah. And so the advantage. And they get them the next day. Yeah. The advantage for us as church leaders Bonkers. is you're not investing any capital in having, you know, a thousand books. Because, you know, we all know those guys who have written books and yeah. then literally they have a thousand books in their garage. And then what do you do with that? And every time they're like, hey, do you want to buy a book? No, I don't no, want to buy a book. No, Here, just take one, please. Yeah. And please. so for me, the th- for me as a, as, you know, I'm not, I want this book to get into, I'm not like, this book isn't, you know, going to have a hundred thousand copies sold. It's not, that's not the goal. There is a small segment, a few thousand, maybe 5,000, 10,000 people that I'd love to pick up this book. It's a fairly niche book. Obviously church growth is not a massive market. And so for me, it makes sense to, you know, print them on demand and it's, you know, relatively easy to do. And this is obviously my second time through and I think we'll just keep doing it this way. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes, but it's just Amazon Create Space or just CreateSpace? CreateSpace CreateSpace.com is the the name of the organization. And if people want to reach out to me directly, I'm happy to give you my editor, the person that did our interior design, I can point you at 99designs. Or I can just give you the person directly who did our thing once that I met. Oh, how would they designs. do that if they wanted to connect They could with just you. email me, rich at unseminary.com. That's totally fine. Happy to you know help with that. And even if you just look in the book, and which you can just see on Amazon, if you go in that, you know, that part of the book at the front, they call it the front material. All the, like the guy who does my design, this guy, Stephen Plummer, who does all the internal design, it, it looks amazing. I'm like, the joke I make in the book is, and the acknowledgments is it makes it look more professional than it does. It absolutely does. It looks, it looks more professional than it is, uh, which is great. And, and all that's listed there, designer, all that stuff's listed right in the front. Of the yeah. Book. And if you haven't checked out Rich's podcast, make sure mm. you do it. It's just the Unseminary podcast. Yeah. You write it on seminary.com. Unseminary.com. Yep. And you should definitely put that on your circuit, Rich. Once again, you'll be back, I know. But thanks. Thanks. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for your leadership. Thank you. Well, there's a lot of references there. And if you want to find out more, uh, go to the show notes. You can find them at kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 179 or leadlikeneverbefore.com. Just search Rich Birch, that's B-I-R-C-H. And you'll find the show notes there. And uh, make sure you check out his new book. Rich is just a great guy who loves to serve the church. I just love that about his heart. And his stuff is so practical. It's so, so practical. So anyway, uh, next week we are back with a fresh episode. I am so excited uh, about the lineup this spring. It's uh, it's pretty solid. William Vanderblumen is back and we talk about creating a culture. How do you actually create a workplace culture that people love? Recently, we had Brian Miles on. Uh, William won a similar award for the best workplace culture in America, which is hard to do particularly for an organization that serves the church, which sometimes churches are not known for the healthiest culture. William, well, has some great insights. Here's an excerpt. And we've started it this last year. And that is putting 
cultural values and how you're living them out into your annual review and tying your compensation directly to it. Wow. So you, you can hit all the sales numbers in the world for us. And if you're not living out the values, you're not getting your full compensation. It's not going to happen. Man, there's no bonus. And, where the, yeah. and, and I'll tell you where that's going to help churches. Maybe you're not this way. All right. So when I was a pastor, I had this problem. But maybe, maybe you have a friend who has this problem. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been anybody on your staff who's working just well enough to not get fired? So what we found through the School of Hard Knocks was by measuring values, when it came time to have, whether you want to call it a, a you know, disciplinary path for correction or a personal improvement plan, or if you're in the deep South, you call it, we're going to have a prayer meeting, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever the thing is where you got to sit them down and say, hey, this has got to improve. So many times it's not the competency because they are pulling the C or the C plus. Yeah. What I've found is most of the time they're not living out the cultural values. So your church has a culture. Unfortunately, often it doesn't, it's not a good one. Sometimes it's a bad one. Everybody's got a culture. So if you want to fix yours, that happens with episode 180 next week. If you subscribe, you get everything for free. Thank you, awesome people, for leaving reviews. I read each one of them. I'm so grateful. You guys, like over five, I don't know, 550 five-star reviews. You guys are the best. Thanks for sharing this. Thanks for getting the word out. We so appreciate it. Tens of thousands of listeners listen to every one of these episodes. And, uh, you know, when you share it, you just help leaders get better. So if you want to do that, uh, email the link or text the link to somebody. I do that all the time and uh, with some podcasts that I care about. And if you would do that, I'd be so grateful. Don't forget the free training next Tuesday, February 20th. Sign up today at thehighimpactleader.com. Figure out how to crush your goals without crushing you. Uh, We're going to give you free training on that. And then remember, February is a month where you can get 50% off your first month at trainedup.church. Just use the coupon code FIRST50, F-I-R-S-T-5-0, on checkout, and you'll get 50% off your first month at trainedup.church. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I'm on your side cheering for you. We got great things ahead. And I do hope that this episode has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.